G'day everybody, how you going tonight? G'day Mike, how are you? I'm pretty good, mate. Really, apart from you know, wanting to hack up half a lung and stuff like that, I hope it doesn't interfere with the show too much. But, yeah, no, I'll, I'll survive. Well, that's all right. We've heard you talk underwater, so I'm pretty sure you better talk with a bit of a, a bit of a phlegm in your throat. <laughs> that's right. I'm not off the beer anyway, mate. It doesn't stop me from having the beer. Oh, well, it's got to be pretty severe for that to happen, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, no. didn't, stop me from, didn't stop me from trucking either, but you've got to pretty, be pretty crooked and off the truck as well. Well... That's that just shows your determination. Mm. Yeah, determination so, or stupidity, one or the other. Oh, we'll say determination <laughs> and love of the industry, eh? Keep, oh yes. Keep yes. that glue running up and down the highways. That's right, mate. That's exactly what we've got to do. Where would we be without our glue? Well, yeah, indeed. Mm. Where would you be? That's right. So, yeah. moving on tonight, must make a special mention to our. Sponsors for the evening. I'll let you run with that one. Well, our, our friends at Queensland Rail are back, you know, sponsoring the show between now and Christmas uh, with the uh, with the um, message to know your truck and height. Yep. And that uh, size matters. They tell us it doesn't matter, but apparently it does. Wow. So have we got any of those size matters uh, hats left? We do. We've got a few left there. We'll have to throw a few out. Yeah. I, was actually, I was actually in a board meeting last night and mm. and, uh, and a guy mentioned the difference in his bunks between a 58-inch, I think, and a 50-inch, yep. um, yes. saying that it, um, he knows the difference. So there you go. Yeah, extra eight inches makes a difference. Must no do, yeah. It. So got to watch that on your height, though. You do. Watch them bridges. Yeah, what was the old one with um, essential energy was look up and live? Well, yeah. Yeah. you know, look up and don't hit the bridge, eh? No, you're trucking high. And i tell you what, it's not only in, in Queensland either. We thank Queensland Rail for the, the support of the show and support of the podcast. It's not our first rodeo with Queensland Rail either. We've done a lot of work with them yeah. in the past. We've got a couple of interesting interviews coming up for those guys too. One of the uh, one of the guys who, Liam, his name is, who's a, uh, a first responder to incidents that happened on Queensland Rail is going to be joining us for a bit of a chat. So he's the bloke that goes out and assesses the damage and and uh, makes decisions about whether it's safe to keep the train rolling, trains rolling, and, and things like that. Mm. And uh, the young lass, I can't think of a name who who drives a train up at Coranda. She drives the, the train from uh, Cairns up to Coranda. Oh yeah, yep. Skyrail. Yeah, I think it's the Skyrail. Is that Skyrail or? Or is that the one back down on the thing? But anyway, yes, I know the I'm, one. We've... I'm not sure, but it's the train anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's just... train. It's a train. She was uh, she was on with me uh, oh several months ago now. And we're gonna we're gonna do our best to get her back on and see how she's like li- liking living up in uh, far north Queensland because she only just moved up there from Brisbane when I spoke to her. Oh okay. So um, yeah, she she'd done a little bit up there. That was that was quite interesting. Mm. But uh, Queensland Rail have been you know, very generous in in supporting us and. Uh, we thank them for that. Someone, you know, it, it helps if we can get some support yeah. to to pay the bills. So yeah. none of it happens for free. Yeah. So mm. I was I was in a in a meeting last night, a, a Zoom one, mm. and Aaron Rosario, who was on with us last week. Yeah. And, and we were talking about some of the um, changes that they're looking at 
in um, the National Heavy Vehicle Law. Yeah. And and there is one there that I probably would encourage a few people to go on and, and have a look at the NTC's proposals or, or what, you know, is in talks at the moment. Um, and I will put it up on the on our um, Facebook pages here a bit later on this mm. evening, which is a link to the, the proposals and, and a link to uh, your opportunity to give feedback. So one of the things they're talking about is a, a height and and length changes, and yes. talking about twenty meters um, for a single, and there, there's nothing in that talking about an, an extra length again for B doubles to yep. to go out to uh, say twenty seven meters. I know we've been down this from 25 to 26, and that was supposed to give us extra cabin room, but that's got swallowed up somehow with extra freight. You see the surprise. Yep. But there is one on on changing um, the height, the standard height, um, which in in moving forward from particularly what we talk about now of, of know your truck and height, that 4.6 becomes a standard. And I must say... I do think that is a scary thought that 4.6 can actually be the standard height mm. considering that every, like you look at most of the accesses around are only between 4.3 and 4.5. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of restrictions where stock crates and that can go um, and, and 4.6 uh, mm. things that run under Gazette now. I think if it was made a standard, there's a lot of work to be done to raise a lot of bridge heights um, before that can be a standard. At least you know if you're in something 4.6, you might have to look further mm. further afield of um, a, a normal route that you might take. Um, anyway, just my thoughts, but we will post that up on on the Facebook pages, well, a, a link of where you can go. And a- have your comment. There's... Um, yeah, I think it's something that needs to be that they need to hear that four point six could be a dangerous thing. Particularly, Queensland well, Rail might have a um, thoughts on putting in an application there. Well, not only Queensland Rail, uh, Transport for New South Wales might have something to say about it as well. I mean, what's like, the airport I, tunnel in Sydney? It's only four point four, four point five, four point four, four point three. I think one of them is. Yeah, right. You certainly can't go through there at four point six. A couple of Indians found that out a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and that created all sorts of mayhem. At least they did stop and not create a mess. You do have to give them that, but it's very very easy. If you're not familiar with where the traffic goes uh, down around the airport there and, and know which way to go to avoid any issues down there with uh, dangerous goods or with overheight vehicles. Mm. then uh, you can find yourself in trouble really quickly. And I, I can't see them changing the road infrastructure down there somehow. Well, it's a big, big task to change bridge heights. Like, yeah. So I think yeah. 4.6 4. would be a very dangerous um, thing to go to. And if we all understand the bureaucratic world, mm. um, it might possibly be the only thing that gets through. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't understand why they would want to even go to four point six. I mean, well, it's it's a discussion, so it's not they're not saying they want to. It's it's a mm. option. So I think mm. think it's something people need to to present their case on, and and particularly 
where in there it doesn't talk about the extension of 26 metres to 27. And we, yeah. and we must remember if you do, do put in some feedback here that, that the discussion has to be about... You're right there, Mike. You yeah, I'm just, still just sorry. Uh, long, it's all good. Yeah, sorry. We we have to remember that the the your submission or your feedback must talk about that it's only an extension for the sleeper cab or the or the truck, not yeah, an extension to carry another pallet. Yeah. So well, we we do know that we went from 20, uh, 25 to twenty six meters with a B double. Mm. Uh, and the trade-off for that was that if you were, went to 26 metres, you had to have a up bar, and, of course, then they gave you the extra extra kilos on the steer to make up for the FUP bar, and there's all this sort of stuff. Mm. And it just seemed... What I don't understand, you know what I don't understand about all this? Mm. It takes months and months and months and months and months to discuss all this and discuss all the finer points and put it out for consultation and bring it all back and all the rest of it. But they shut the country down with a stroke of a pen overnight. <laughs> well, you know? we were only having that discussion in the early hours of this morning, weren't we? About they and they and they shut down exporting sheep in like a day mm. and just crawled. I don't understand why it is we can give the Barrier Reef half a billion dollars in a in a single meeting, mm. but you, but you can't get a hundred thousand dollars for a safety trailer. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, just I, I don't understand. Yeah, I really don't. But there, I get there's, off that horse, I suppose. yeah. But there's some good um, good suggestions in what um, the NTC are, are proposing, and remembering they it's it's not they they don't actually make the laws. They have to present this to all the states and territories and NHVR and probably, yeah. you know to make it all work. So in 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 the you know, want for a better word, we all, we can call it a cluster something. Um, but <laughs> What, yeah, again, I, I don't understand when we, we talk about, and as I say, there's good proposals there to <coughs> remove some of the penalties for administrative errors in work diaries. And, you know, you, you have to commend them for that type of work and understand that they're seeing some issues there and how punitive it can be. Um, but I still don't understand why we need such a long consultation period to um, to make all this happen when when apparently we can change things overnight. So yeah, in other areas, yeah. but yeah, as I say, they they they're having a go, and it would be great to see that some of these things are changed. But, well, I don't understand why. As I said, I, to just go on with things. I don't understand why are we not looking at drivers' licensing now as a priority. Um, I mean, and, and that's something that I think is a little bit outside their scope, but it should come in a lot more, <coughs> I believe, in workplace health and safety factors that, you know, to do a particular task, you know, you must have certain experience. Like it's it, it, it currently, um, you know, <coughs> it doesn't matter how well accredited you are, you can, you can go through all the stuff about... Um, having vehicle approvals, all your drawings right to make sure that the axles are more than 100 milli, blah, blah, blah. Go and apply for your permits to run an A-double down the Toowoomba range, but there's nothing in that to dictate what the driver experience needs to be. 
Yeah. You could put someone in there that has never driven an A-double before and never been down the Toowoomba Range or or the Gap or whatever. Mount Uzi. Mount Uzi is a classic, you know. Mm. Um, we, we've got A-doubles running up and down there now, which is all good. I, I've got nothing against the combinations, but... You know, you, you should have a certain amount of experience somewhere before you can do that, mm. and we, we don't have that. So I'm not sure where that licensing changes or experience or how we do that. The accreditation system at the moment probably lets us down a bit in 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 making that mandatory in um, a, in a PBS vehicle that mm. there must be at least a certain amount of experience to drive it. Um, but it's not. They're, they're nitpicky on everything else, um, but not the driver, which I think needs to change. But mm. but before it can change, we need to have other alliances there to make sure that, you know, operators can actually afford to train their staff. Yeah, well, it's one of those things, it's a bit of a vexed question about uh, how you get in, how you get trading, how you advance what you get to drive there's always been this expectation that once you've got your uh, heavy combination license or your multi-combination license that you should have a broad range of skills and ability to go along with that mm. and we find that more and more that's not the case just having the license we've discovered isn't enough to qualify most people mm. and while there are some people out there that are very very good they grew up with their father's knee on the farm driving tractors since they about 10 years old and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know, I saw, I've seen young fellas 18 years old driving triple road trains out in the bush. Yeah. Uh, because that's what, you know, that's what they've always done. They've been moving around the yard since they were 12, mm. you know, hooking them up and, you know, and, and loading the cattle and doing all that. And they've got good skills because they've had good training. That's right. Yeah. Um, whereas we find now, uh, and and to target the guys coming in from guys girls that are coming in from overseas and say, well, you know, the, the problems that we face now with training are, are, are simply because of that. That's not true. Um, and and the, the reality is that we've got a lot of companies out there now who uh, who somehow or another seem to think that it's still okay to just to throw the keys at someone and say, well, you go. And that's why I'm pleased that we've got Lyndon Watson coming on to us tonight, who's coming on with us tonight, who's got a very different point of view. And uh, we're talking about the, the path that Watsons are going down. But they're not the only ones. Simons have done driver programs. K&S have done driver programs. There are a lot of guys doing driver programs. The question is, the key question is, how do the companies that invest in training people get something back for the effort they put in and the risk that they take? Yeah, well, there has to be... Uh a certain amount of retention for that company yeah. to warrant the investment. And, and obviously people are seeing it. Um, but also, you know, they're starting to take the bigger view um, as, as some other carriers have done in the past, that even if we train them and they leave, mm. we've still mm. put a better driver on the road. And, mm. you know, th there are some good points that, that you put one – one good driver on the road, what's his effect on the, the people around him? So mm. have you not only trained one but influenced another five mm. um, with with their habits and what they do? So I, I believe there is a, a good point to training and it, it comes about for every operator, I think, to participate. Mm. 
but again, you know, we, we need money in the in the game to do it. But you know, th- maybe there's there's got to be some level of um, government funding to help that out of, of operators that are under a certain size. Um, mm. it, it only needs to be short term funding. Um, in some cases, like if you if you employ a new driver and you're say a company under ten trucks, that you know you need to be able to send that driver with somebody for a few days or a week, whatever. I don't I don't know I don't know the nuts and bolts of it, but mm. that that there can be some compensation back to the employer to train that person. Um, and we all know it's very hard in interstate-style jobs. How do you train a person when you've only got mm. room for one to sleep? Yeah. It's, it's not an easy task, but it, it, it is something that's essential. We, we need to try to find a way to do it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I've seen the American model with the trainers and things like that. I, I don't particularly like that model. Mm. Um, um, in, the, in the scheme of things, Having two people thrown together in the cab of a truck, um, having done two up uh, with with many different partners over the over the years, I've done it. Um, I can tell you now that um, it's a long way to Perth and back. <laughs> and uh, someone you don't like, with, particularly with someone you don't like. Um, in fact, I, I had uh, more than one. I had one occasion where. Uh, I, I pulled out of the depot at uh, Minto when I was working for GKR and the bloke didn't get down to Hooters with me before I'd done the <laughs> Nana and done a U-bolt at the uh, roundabout in the B-double at Blackstone Road, which is a cheap, but if you know the roundabout. Yes. And uh, went back to the yard and uh, told the depot manager that either he was going or I was going, but we <laughs> weren't going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Uh, I, I had another fella went to climb in with me one one day, and he smelt like he had had a shower in about a month. Right. And I and I said, mate, you need to go and have a shower before we get in the truck. Yeah. Oh, but we need to go. I said, mate, you need to go and have a shower before we get in the truck. Mm. And he said, but we need to go. And I said, okay, fine. Well, you can go. And I just grabbed me bag and me stuff, oh, and I just stay here. I'm staying here. See ya. Mm. You can't do it. There's yeah. more than one person. Anyway, that's that's a side issue, I know, but uh, we do need to train people. It does need to be done properly. It does need to be done by people that want to train, but it also needs to be a situation where people want to learn as well. You can't lead horses to water. Yeah, um, that's right. But there's also in that the willingness of all participants in that that you get to a place to unload or something and mm. they're accepting of, of someone else in the truck and showing them around and doing that. So yep. it, it's a, a very wholesome approach, I suppose, it needs to be there that, mm. you know, you, you can take people in and induct them and do things like that. But it has to be all done in a timely manner as well because, you know, the, it's a tight industry. So, mm. you know, you've, you've still got to make money out of trucks. and Well... That's an example. When I went up to the Pilbara, I had a I had a uh, multi combination license which I've held for a while. I've swung a triple before I went up there, mm. and uh, got into a quad. I went with a trainer for three days, three trips, 
Yeah. Um, I did a couple of little orientation trips with other guys where you just go down for one trip just to see how everything works in that particular site. Um, and you had to be signed off. Uh, they had to do what they call a VOC, which is Vehicle Operator Competency. And you had to be signed off on the whole trip by a trainer before you were allowed to go on your own. And that applied to everybody that went there, all the different companies that operating, carrying the ore into uh, into Utah, all had the same requirements. You had to go through and get signed off for your vehicle operator competency before you're allowed to fly solo. Mm. And it didn't matter how much experience you had. So to me, I've got to say that that experience, having someone sitting beside me in the passenger seat, critiquing what I was doing for uh, several days wasn't something that was, I mean, I, I, yeah, I got comfortable with it. I wasn't worried about it. I, mean, I knew I could drive. Mm. But at the end of the day, when I went down and did the, the trip on the first time on my own, I was confident that I could do it. I had no doubt in uh, what was going on. I knew what was going to happen. There was no confusion. I knew where to go. I knew how to communicate with people. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. It takes a lot of stress out of the job, and it's got to improve the safety. Yep. So, you know, they're operating multi-million dollar pieces of equipment over there, but so are we on the East Coast. Some of these trucks out here we've got now aren't cheap. Mm. And but, it just beggars belief to someone will throw you the, the keys to a, a million-dollar truck and say, see you later, mate, Melbourne's that way. Mm. The, the thing is, though, that when when you someone's trained properly like that, like I've, I've had that experience out here um, with, the, with the sugar cane job, Um they make sure that the person's competent before they let them off on their own, and it does it in, it does increase the efficiency in a much faster way. So yeah. instead of throwing someone out there and let them try to work it out for themselves and causing damage and being late and you know mm. not fitting with the cycle well, at all the efficiency gains come around much quicker. Um, <coughs> obviously, that's built in into their contract. Yeah, to make sure that that can can work. So that's on a large scale. It's a large large company in both sides. So you know it's there to work. When when we have smaller companies, and we've got to remember that most of most of the country runs off <coughs> off businesses that might only have four or five trucks. So yeah. that that makes it harder to spend that time. So. There needs to be something to help that out. Like we, we throw training, and I've, I've sat through some of these training courses myself where companies pay for it. They pay mm. for you unnecessarily to get a qualification mm. that you don't need. Yes. So if that's there, why can't that, that sort of money be redirected into something that is needed and increases efficiency quickly? and compensates companies to actually train someone to be better yeah. and safer. Well, well, we struggle with the fact that there are that many different freight tasks. I mean, carton stocks, different to running fridge vans, different to running tankers, different to running flat tops, different to running tort liners, different mm. to doing heavy haulage. We've all got different things. The only thing we share in common is driving. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, learning how to load a fridge van properly and you know where to put the pogo sticks and all that sort of thing is a skill on its own to get your weight distribution right because it's a problem if you muck it up. Mm. And, uh, you know, 
low restraint on flat tops and tall liners is very different to closing the hatches on a set of buddy tankers. Yeah. So... You know, and of course, then the dynamic forces in a tanker are very, very different to a low load of steel too. So, That's right. you know, uh, horses for courses, and, but and unfortunately, we don't get the training. No. And, and in a national scheme, mm. th- this could be something where you know you go and work for one company and you you've been trained properly on how to how to load. Surely mm-hmm. that's got to um, carry over to when you go to work for someone else in the same sector of the industry, well, that, that they can look at you and go, oh, all right, you've you've actually been passed out on that competency level in, in a tipper or or whatever. Yeah. So when you're employing them, you know, and they've said, oh, you know, I've got tipper experience, it doesn't mean they drove a rigid and dumped three loads of gravel one day for, for their mate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And same loading, you know, a, a fridge van or, or whatever, they there's so many levels of things, and particularly when we get into oversized stuff, yeah. you know, there's levels there that, you know, you you shouldn't learn whilst you're just on the job with nobody else. No, no. You know, you're chaining down a bit of gear that's 30 tonne. Yep. Um, you don't want to just do it and hope that it's okay. Uh, but there's it's, more to it, you know. We're talking about all this training and all that sort of stuff. Um. As I've said before, uh, more than once in print and you know out loud, we spend all this money on training, or we we like people to spend this money on training. And if they do, they've got to retain the person. We don't seem as though there's much interest from winges about recruitment and retention. Um, but I don't think people really understand how much it costs them to recruit and you know onboard and train someone to the point where they're useful to them. It's an expensive exercise. It is an expensive exercise. And sometimes some small little problems that might need fixing that might not cost a lot of money um, can can make someone happy and keep them working for you when all the skills that they've now got that you may have helped them get some of, they can quite easily take to someone else. And, of course, they're perfectly happy to take that person Mm. because they've got those skills and someone else has paid for it. Mm. And, you know? in, and in the industry, we all know a, a change is good as a holiday sometimes. Sometimes, but like I've said, mate, we've got drivers out there. I mean, how many jobs have a lot of a lot of guys had by the time they're 40, 50? Mm. It's not very often they've been somewhere for ten years in a row. No, you know they've they've had different goes all over the place. Well, we're going to just get someone on who's probably got a fair bit to say about it. I'm sure he does. We might go to a song. Yep, bit of, bit of Huey Lewis. Yep. And um, we'll get Lyndon on the phone, eh? But, yep, that'll um, be great. We'll fire this song in and um, we'll be right back.
we'll talk. We'll just you just do what you're doing. Right now, everyone, we're back. Um, so, yeah, Mike, back. you've been coughing your lungs up there a bit, eh? I, I have, mate. I, I'm, I'm thinking about a shift to having a little bit of glass of uh, scotch to see if that can settle me down a little bit. Scotch, yeah. Scotch never fixed anybody. Didn't it? Nah, no, nah, you got to have honey whiskey. Yeah, well, I, I'm out of honey whiskey because someone's drinking the bottle I left behind at their place, so there you go. Oh. Yeah, and Rose didn't buy you another one. No, she did not. Jeez. She's, felt, she's fallen out on the job there, I'm afraid. But oh, anyway. no. What have you done to upset her? No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How would I know? Mm. Oh, look. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, we've got Lyndon Watson with us at the moment, but he's in actually trying to get himself into a more comfortable position. I think we can hear him ferreting around there in the background. Yeah. He's all, good. he's all good to go. So we're, he's we're, all good to you, go. You're not live yet, mate, but we're about to pee. So, Mike, do you want yes. to introduce our special guest for the night? All right. Our special guest this evening is Lyndon Watson from Watson's Transport at Bacchus Marsh. And uh, we've got some interesting stuff to talk about with uh, training at Probably a little bit on corporate responsibility and Lyndon's point of view on a on maybe a couple of other issues as well. If we can drag it out of him, Lyndon, welcome to the show, mate. How are you going? Not too bad, mate. Yourself. Thank you very much for having us on. Oh, look, absolutely wonderful. Last time I saw you was at the Road Freight New South Wales conference, I think. And, yeah, no, uh, it's interesting. Thanks, Eve. <laughs> I, uh, I I managed to rack you up for a bit of promotional stuff for the uh, Power Nap campaign. How did, yeah, how did no, that go? No, it did well, and there's a great cause on that one as well. Like we had a bit yeah. of trouble with the amount of tackle we got on the back of the trailers with our barn doors. It was mm. a bit of an effort to get them on there, but um, but I think honestly it is a good cause, and so yeah, yeah. we didn't mind at all. And she's doing a great job at it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrea. Andrea, I was going to call her Linda for a second. I don't know why I was going to do that. Andrea Hamilton <laughs> does an absolutely spectacular job. I just got a text message. I just got a text message. Breaking news. Beep, 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 beep. There is a bottle in the buffet cabinet. Open your eyes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, eh? Well, she didn't say open your eyes up, but so that, to be fair, she didn't say that, but she said there's a bottle in the cabinet. Well, there you go. You're cured for the evening, eh? I'm cured for the evening now. Um, yeah, Andrew Hamilton Vaughan does a magic job with the uh, Power Net campaign, and I'm very, very, very impressed with what she's done. Lyndon, we're going to have a bit of a chat about. Sorry, John. Yeah, I was just going to say about that Power Net campaign, and yeah. um, just from our perspective, it's it's one of those things that so many of the bingles that happen out on the road, mm. but they could have been they could have been alleviated if someone did have that 15 minute Power Net, but yeah. but it's. It's really easy for me sitting in the office to go, oh, geez, mate, why didn't you pull up just for a 15-minute power nap or mm. something along those kind of lines? But just to bag out the uh, the road managers out there and the uh, the wider group that it's sometimes not that easy. Like I know I've spoken to a lot of our guys running Sydney, Brisbane, and um, and there's all too often they're pulling into parking bays and the parking bays are full. And, mm. uh, and then next thing you know, they're, like we recently we were very fortunate where – we were involved with an incident where a truck banged into our truck, glanced mm. off us, and hit another couple of another B double, big fire. Yeah. Every luckily everyone walked away, but um, but he was parked in a spot 
it wasn't ideal because he'd already been to two other parking bays that were full and yeah. he was out of hours. He needed to pull up. And so the idea of that's even just a fatigue break, let alone just a 15 minute power nap. And so I think that, I think that there's, I think there's a lot more trucks out there on the road than the, the parking bay, the parking base permit. And, um, and I think that's where, you know, credit where credit's due, people like Glenn Stirl and that pushing, pushing for those, for the expansion of those, like you've got to, you know, credit where credit's due, that's a, it's overdue and they're doing a pretty good job at it. Mm. Yeah. It, it's well, a hard, it's a hard one to tackle because most people don't understand because they see as they're driving down the highway, all these parking bays that are empty mm, in yeah. the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, they don't realise what it's like at <clears throat> 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning to need to pull over and have a break and everything's full. Um, mm, yeah. There's another world out there on the highway during happy hour. That's right, mm. yeah. Yeah. So it's well, something that not everyone can experience, but it's, um, yeah, every every parker bay needs to be expanded in my view and, um, yeah. Well, it's a point. It's a point. Really, it's been made by by many others that you know, the vast majority of people have no idea what it is a long distance driver does. Um, they don't know about it, and to a certain extent, they probably don't care about it, and that's okay. But at the same time, it makes it a little bit difficult when you're trying to do the job sometimes if you don't have the infrastructure you need. And we were talking before, Lyndon, about the changes that the NTC are proposing. One of them being an increase in length uh, for singles from um, 19 metres to 20 metres. And we, we've talked about the, uh, the Spartan size of some of the accommodation that some of the long-distance drivers have. Um, it always seems as though if we get a little bit of length somehow or another, it manages to get banged into a trailer for an extra pallet space. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think... I think that um, what that I'm I've, um, I'm on record, and I I believe I'll still keep beating the drum on it, is that what I disagree on that 20 meter change is like semis semis have a place in Australia's transport market, but if we're going to go and change the economy and go to this low emissions low emissions future, where mm. for every ton moved we're going to need to have less emissions for that ton moved. Hmm. Semis, semis is not where it's at for interstate transport. Yep. It's B doubles and it's A doubles and it's these bigger things. And for them to play around the engines with this small token gesture at 19 metres to 20 metres, hmm. while ignoring the harder, the harder question at 26 metres going to 27 metres, yeah. is I think it's token. And while I think it's being um, being touted because it's um, effectively it's something that can be achieved. It's mm. something that can be expect, accepted by all the parties. What I'm saying is, well, that's all well and good, but it's not going to give the productivity gains. It's not going to give the benefit gains to the drivers with better equipment when we're all using B doubles. Mm. Like we're not we're not all using B doubles, but that's the way the direction. That's the way the future's going, mm. and. You're going to give a couple of semi-drivers a bit of a chop out, but while, oh, no, 26 to 27 metres, that's just a bit too much for us. Let's yeah. just play in a smaller envelope. Yeah. Well, that, that's one thing I, was, I sort of let in uh, before you came on, that 
if you if you want to have a look at that change that we need to be not only saying that a, a 19 metre can go to 20, we need to say 26 should go to 27. And mm-hmm. even maybe that a, a 30 metre A double should go to 31 or, you know. Yeah. Um, and at least I'll give the that A double space, given that it's predominantly it's a it's a um it's a PBS vehicle that that um is tire level two B you know the level two B being this this A double at the thirty one like we're running them at thirty five meters until you get to a thirty six and a half meter type one type one just a prescriptive road train mm. it's it's a little bit um ambiguous about that limit and they they're pretty we're we're just dealing with the performance based area but what I get frustrated with is that the idea the B double that is just an ADR vehicle. That is just a general purpose. We can go so many places with it. It is very, at the moment, very accepted. Mm. And if you're going to go and make some kind of um, uh, fundamental change to the to the um, the law outside of that performance-based standards, you know, just dealing with 19 to 20 metres, you you're, you're really playing at the edges. Mm. You should be yeah. doing it for both both common type vehicles. Yeah, and, but it's hard. I appreciate that. Mm. Well, Watson's are running A doubles now, aren't you? Yeah, we've got them running up. We're fortunate enough to have them at the moment running between Melbourne and Sydney, as well as the the more general general use between Melbourne and Brisbane, and mm-hmm. um, like obviously everyone else, they're all doing magical things out west. But we we yeah. really only play in the space between Melbourne and Brisbane, between Melbourne, mm-hmm. Sydney, and Brisbane, and mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, that's something that we've used. We we looked at doing it to try and deal with not only efficiency. But um, just moving the freight with the workers that we can actually get a hold of. Yeah. I think that – I don't know what the unemployment rate out there in Australia for, but I reckon it's negative <laughs> for truck drivers. Mm. And um, I'm sure there's more seats available than we got people to steer them. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. Well, but, but the efficiency gains from running <coughs> Melbourne to Brisbane with an A-double um, uh, would, would have to be – Huge compared to running a B double, especially now that we can get them out of Melbourne into at least to Gatton. Yeah, like there's um, yeah. I know there's some great people in, up there at TMR in Queensland, and we'd we'd love the the uh, extra development being allowed to get them past Gatton. Mm. And uh, um, uh, so your restriction all... there is because you're trying to run, say two forty five foot fridge vans into Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, we so, can't can't get over thirty meters past Gatton. Yeah. So I'm I'm involved in in the in the bulk commodity section really. So we we run consistently <laughs> in Brisbane with thirty meters, and yeah. you know, it, it, in my view, it's ridiculous that people aren't allowed to take uh, larger combinations in. What what I would say though is that they need to be taken to a depot and split up yeah. and delivered because. I, where we go I agree with, with that. bulk, I've got to say, a 30-metre A-double in bulk is generally more manoeuvrable than a 25, 26-metre B-double. Yeah, there's a. we find that our um, even our 35-metre um, A-doubles, they're in the same swept path than a, a typical B-double. Mm. Yeah, right. And um, we're really... We're only um, we're only over on length, like the concept of a vehicle that's more difficult for the road network. Yeah, it's just simply stacking distance on um, on lights and railways and stuff like that. Yeah, so well, where we, where you go to places to unload, though, I believe in in that scenario, bulk stuff. You're driving over a hopper, 
uh, your like fridge vans you're backing onto a dock. So I believe in in certain distribution centres that would cause a fair headache of yeah. because they would expect you to back an A double onto a dock. Oh yeah, we'd never do that. It's um we actually uh, fortunately for us we just usually run them into our own DC. Yep. And by mm. that point we break them up and then they're just two semis running around town. Yep. Yeah, and, um, and that that has but, huge efficiency gains for you between capital cities. True, but um, but getting the getting to one of the one of the main reasons we actually moved to that was how do we deal with moving what we need to move for Australia with with a, a limited resource that limited driver resource, and then we're going like why is the driver resource limited, and what were the what are the what are the barriers to entry for people coming in. Being a truck driver, like, you know, the, what kind of barriers are entry are now than they weren't years ago? Mm. And that's where we might, when you and I were talking earlier, mm. earlier in the week about the ideas of how do you get newly, new new workers into the industry, unskilled, unskilled people into the industry and get them in safely or at least get them in at all. And mm. so that's where, that's where we've, we've tried, we've tried a couple of different options and, um, Couple of new ones with our trainee program, and uh, but it's working so far. It's been, it's been, it's been good so far. Yeah. So, to talk about that, mate, what what are you guys doing when you get a bit of fresh blood in? What's what do you do with a new employee that wants to drive, say, a B double? A new employee that wants to drive a B double. Don't go there. As in, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, um. If they have a B-double licence and they've arrived as a B-double driver but have no experience as a B-double licence, because often we're, we're advertising for trying to get B-double drivers, we're fortunate that we've got a relatively large group of trucks and jobs that are all just semi-jobs, semi whether it's Melbourne to, Sydney, uh, Melbourne to Wodonga, some regional work, or some different, different type of freight that they're just ordering semi-loads. So we've got that ability to bring them in and actually run them as a semi. Like we might put them in a B-double registered truck, some type of cab over, but run them as, a, as just a HC driver for a little while until our driver managers are confident that they, they know where they're driving to and from and they know they haven't heard any bad, you know, like feedback from the, from the guys in the sites that these guys might be struggling to get on a dock. So like if they, if they struggle to get a semi on a dock, Typically, they're going to struggle just to negotiate the B-doubles through the servos and just simple things like that. Mm-hmm. But but it's uh but we try and we try and train train them. But they've coming in with with some experience. We we monitor them. We try and give them some easy work and try and keep them off the off the time sensitive freight to begin with to give them a bit of a uh, bit of chance. But um, but that's it. How we can get them into that double work. I think the. I think the harder one is actually how do you bring someone in that whether it's a, they want to drive B doubles or A doubles or whatever it is, but they have no experience. Mm-hmm. Like yep. at best they've driven a rigid around for someone's nursery or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that, that they're the ones that I think that, and for us as a business, one is we're like a medium sized transport business. We've got enough trucks on the road that we can, we can um, donate a couple of them to a specific job, and um, where it's where it's benign work, we keep them in the yard for a little bit, 
But they're running just between, for us, it's easy. We can run them between Melbourne and Wodonga for a little while for some out of a depot into our depot in Wodonga mm. and just get it familiar with the highway. But we um, trying to work out what kind of truck to do it with. We were fortunate. I got to sing the praises of um, DAF. We had, we've got four CF85 DAFs that are originally purchased for some regional work, some light B-doubles. But um, that work finished up and um, we're trying to work out what to do with them. And uh, they're just, they're, they are so easy to drive. It's dry, like you're driving or just an oversized Land Cruiser. Mm-hmm. And we just found that um, the, the junior guys that hadn't had a lot of work, a lot of experience, that we can, one, just get them comfortable. Once we're comfortable with them in a yard, back in trailers on a dock, parking the trailers, and just working as that yard person for a few days with their driver managers, and they're confident that they can actually negotiate a tight space with the truck, that's when they'll get them out to do a couple of runs, particularly just some regional work first, and then move into Melbourne and Sydney for some like slightly longer ways when we can we can monitor their fatigue. And even that in itself, it's a bit easy because we've got the the Guardian seeing eye machine that that can at least tell the guys what kind of alerts they're getting over the night and if they're struggling. But um, but I reckon that's that's what I'm, I know. There's other businesses out there doing it. They might not be advertising it. But I know there's other decent businesses out there that are actually actively, actively trying to do a bit of an apprenticeship program thing, getting in brand new people. But... Oh, sir. Are you there? Yeah, yeah no, no, still here, mate. Keep going. Mike's obviously. I've just, just, just had a special delivery down to the cage. Oh, you've got your honey whiskey now, have you? <laughs> I have. And, well done. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, uh, Rose was just saying, I have not fallen down on my job, and she hasn't. She's done a wonderful job. <laughs> Sorry, Rose, no, I wasn't no, trying no. to be critical, but it should have been there before <laughs> seven o'clock. <that's> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> beyond our, uh, behind every, behind every successful man, there's a woman. Yeah, yeah we're, we're just talking about time sensitive freight here. I know. Well, the bottle of honey was time sensitive freight. Right. Mate. What are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, we all we all make mistakes. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Anyway, sorry Michael, that. thanks for your distraction there. So uh, sorry. Linda, Linda sorry, was to actually talking when uh, <laughs> when you went to that. No, I'm probably, honestly, <laughs> I'm probably boring the shit out of the listeners. I no, do apologize. No, 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 it's not actually. <laughs> this is what, Excuse me. This is what Wednesday nights are for to talk about some some serious some, stuff. Oh, yeah, I apologise. It was very unprofessional of me. Yeah. I. I was but, distracted. But one thing I will say, Lyndon, in, is in this scenario, it's it can be inspirational to other people on what what can be done. And we were talking earlier about where where's the government funding to help all this out. So, you know, what what do we do to move forward um, to bring some of these? Um, like you, you do some training. What what can we provide to? that employee to have a certificate or some kind of competency-based thing yeah. um, that we get because that's that's where the funding comes in. If you just offer training and, and there's no certificate, um, uh, state and Commonwealth departments don't want to know about it. Yeah, but um, like one, our, our program is uh, far from perfect and I know that it's often hard to even just to get another another candidate like our idea is they only spend so much time in that vehicle and then they 
effectively graduate and get put into the larger fleet. Mm. But the there's a I say that just a bit more be, to be realistic about it. There is I I commend the the people in the businesses like not just ours but others that the driver managers and we call them a driver manager but the people that hire the drivers or look after them they're stuck like in our business they're stuck in this tension between the ops guys and the, so the operations team and the HR team so I'm pushing the HR team I need people employed I want I want bums on seats. I, want, I need yeah. people. And then you got yeah. on the on the flip side, you've got the operations team that just want quality. They really they really take value in the name of the business, and they just want these driver hirers to hire the best of the best drivers because they they hate the idea that something's gone wrong or we some our business gets a bad name out there. And these poor guys are like straddling between HR and operations in one trying to vet employees and only get the best drivers, but then on the other side, meet the requirements of HR. And what I'm pushing for is to say, we need full employment. And that kind of, that challenge that it's, you can pay whatever you want. I, I, um, I've had this argument with some people, you can pay whatever you want to pay, but at some stage, you're going to have to bring people into the business that aren't perfectly trained or aren't perfectly you know, um, prior experience that you need to work with them. And mm. and that's where, like, where our system's not perfect. Like, honestly, there's a little bit of, a little bit of, well, I have a truck here, a CF85 mm. DAF, but not everyone wants to drive that vehicle. But if I go and here's a person that just wants a break, I just want to get into the industry. I go, rightio, for three or six months, We've got to train you up. You've got to demonstrate you can actually park the thing in the yard first and couple trailers properly. Mm. And then you've got to drive this really easy small truck for a while. It doesn't cost much. And then at the end of that, then you can get into the bigger fleet. But it means I've got a truck that didn't cost much that is actually making a mile that's a bit hard to get a driver to get in and to sell it to a line haul driver to live in. Mm. And so there's we get benefit from the program as well. So I'm not going to deny that it's not all altruistic. It's, it's to make a dollar as well, but but I, there is value in it for people that mightn't consider it as like a as, as a method. Yeah, but so do you have a do you have a set induction like a a couple of days of induction where you where you go through what the company needs and you know sign them on and get all the paperwork done and you know do all the housekeeping and, and that yeah, sort no, of thing? Is that we've got we've got a formal induction program. Mm. And it's just simply when the people come in that are a lot newer to the industry, mm. their induction just takes a little longer. And and um, and I know that uh, we'd be guilty of saying there's probably people come into the business that haven't haven't been had the induction as in depth as they should have been. Well, that's. Mm. But we've also had people come into the industry, into the business, that I think would sit back and go, "Yes, I, I felt like I was supported well, and yeah. you know, trained, trained well." And we try and we we brief them and ask them about their competencies, and we go through that measure and um, assess their competencies, and those type of matters. Mm. But this this particular thing about the unskilled worker in these DAFs, that one's that one's more of a formal basis where we we keep them around for a little while before sending them up the highway. And um, but uh, yeah, just try to give them that extra bit of support. Well, we were having a brief discussion before you came on, 
uh, and we've had this discussion prior, prior and I've said it, sort of said it in print and out loud as well, that we can't now just expect because someone's got an HC or an MC license that they're actually qualified to do the job you're employing them for because of the difference in uh, freight tasks and the yep. difference in the skills that are required of the different tasks. As I said to Craig just before, there's a difference between loading a fridge van properly and closing the hatches on a set of tankers. And yeah, it, it's uh, one of those things that I think sometimes some of the companies let the drivers down by uh, putting them into situations before they're ready and I, uh, uh, pay the price yeah, for that. I, I, uh, I commend, say, people in the fuel industry, knowing pretty much to a, to a T, all the people in the fuel industry, the training that they do in that industry is phenomenal. I give them credit. That's absolutely phenomenal. And then you got even the general carriers with the amount of like load, um, uh, load, load uh, restraint details have to go through with training their staff. Mm. I think yeah. we get it easy in the fridge industry where, you know, the the things got hard walls and you put it in there as long as you put the put the pallets in the right spot and make sure yeah. they're all about the same height. You can't go too far wrong. It's more about yeah. weight distribution. But um, but uh, and so that's where I I commend those industries. Just that extra amount of training that the, they have to do for the better job rather than just the driving. But you're right. You can't unfortunately just go. Well, you've been trained down at Decker. You're good mm. to be a light haul driver. It's true mm. that there's there's so many more aspects to it, and um, just nature of the beast, I suppose. Yeah. Have you guys run a log than that yet? Uh, electronic work diaries. Yeah. There's some guys unit using them, and um, we, yeah, I'd say it's not like universal in the business. It's a choice for our drivers. Yeah, and um, I've tried it. I thought it was awesome, and yeah. um, just even to the point where it was just so easy to put in a rest break, and just I'm here, I'm doing a rest break, and it does does all the worrying about how to spell the town because I, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, um, I'm sure I'm spelled Gundawindi and Gundagai. Well, those towns about fifteen different ways, but yeah, um, yeah it does make things easy. And we've had, we've got a few drivers that um, have a pretty good feedback on that one. Mm. Yeah, I, and I I use it all the time. Um, our drivers use it. Anyone coming in now, we we mandate that they must go on electronic work diary. Uh, we use Hubfleet, and I will give them a plug because they do advertise with us and. It, it is a great system and it takes out every little thing that drivers are worried about. Um, we're copping fines for not spelling places correctly. It tells you when you need to pull up. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I've got to say this one thing. If you're running your business to, to be compliant, no one should have a problem with using it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, and, and there's another thing that, people are misled on is that if you use an electronic work diary if you breach that you'll get a fine in the mail that is just completely incorrect yeah yeah i think once once many people i think for our business it was more um uh, uh fear that they can't interact with the technology in a correct manner and mm. um but usually once people actually start interacting with it they realize it's just it's just another Facebook or another piece of IT on their phone that they get used mm. to. Mm. But um, how about yourselves? Do you have – how do you go bringing in newly experienced – you, do you have the opportunity to bring 
newly new people in the industry into your business and like how do you treat them differently compared to to like some fully experienced driver coming into your fleet it's a difficult one um like bringing someone who's had many years of experience in the particular uh, field that you're in is easy you can that's when you can nearly throw them a set of keys and say off you go because yep. the chances are they've been to all the same customers. They may even know the customers. The customers might know them. Yep. Um, they know the routes. They know where you can stop and get a feed and the whole thing. That that's that is, that's worth a lot of money um, yep. for someone that's that's highly experienced. On that, if you want to go right to the other end of the scale <laughs> to someone who's just achieved a licence who has no experience in that particular field. Um, yeah, I, it, it's a, there's a huge difference in what it costs a business to do that. So to bring on staff with no experience is costly, um, not only for the point that your efficiency can be down yeah. for, for two or three months um, yep. and, and the damage even to equipment yeah. can be higher. Um, so all those things come into play and and like I was, I was talking to Mike earlier about that the, there's no compensation to train, that, you know, on, on this sort of thing and, and small businesses find it hard. So if, you know, and particularly like in the bulk game, there's no big players out there in, there's no one with 500 trucks yeah, to teach yeah, a yeah. tipper driver. So... They've probably already played played the field a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the things inside our business, trying to write it off, we've got there's just such a large cohort of drivers that they work for about two and two years, two and a half years in a place, yeah. and they just want to change. They want to drive down a different road, or drive into a different company's facility, or drive a slightly different truck, and working for the same business you're kind of stuck working for their customers. There's only so much variation that we can offer a driver as a different road to travel down just simply because our customer network is what it is. Mm. And and I know that there's a big group of drivers just every two and a half years, they want to break, they go somewhere else. Yep. But what, what are one of the things we were trying to sell to ourselves is if we get this young person or this older person that's coming new into the industry, if we give them a good experience and give them a leg up in the beginning and they stick with us for two years or whatever that is, and then they go off and try something longer or they try something local or they whatever, that five years, seven years down the track, we've got to get them back again. And mm-hmm. they'll have another two years stint at us. And then 10 years after that, they'll have another two years stint at us. And what we're thinking is, is fair enough, it's a little bit costly right now and a little bit risky. And so we try and defer, you know, like manage that risk by putting them in a, older truck still safer and easy to drive mm. but this simpler truck and try and get them in because maybe we maybe we're actually investing in drivers that we're going to keep getting back when they're more skilled and we'll just keep getting them back and so that's mm. where that's my story to other bigger transport businesses is that you're not just breeding a, you're not just training an apprentice like we do with mechanics to lose to an oem or you're not you're mm. not going to lose this driver to some big like a smaller guy that's going to run around with a 9 or something like that, they, they're probably going to come back over time. We've all seen drivers come back multiple times. 
Like yeah. it, it just happens. Yeah. And so that's where trying to trying to justify it, think of it investing in the future. But anyway, I think you're right there. And and what I did, we did have this conversation earlier about, you know, a change is as good as a holiday. Um, and that, uh, like, if you're if you're working for a company and all you're doing is just loading on one dock and going to another dock, and that's all it is, back and forwards. You know, if, if certain people just can't stomach that for too long. So yep. you may have had someone doing that who's this wonderful employee who's doing a great job and there's never an issue, but one day yep. he walks into your office and says, nah, I'm just having a change. And it's nothing you've done. It's just that's no. that's how some people work. I've I, I got to say, I'm like that. I, I short, short um, things, cart and gravel places, tip in the same place, 13 loads a day, does my head in. Yep. can't do it. Um, yep. Do it for five days, and then I'm I'm about to neck myself. So, if if we are training people to be better employee in the industry, they won't leave the industry. They'll just move about. And you're right, Lyndon. They probably will come back one day. And if you're there waiting with open arms to say, "Well, you're a great employee before. You will yep. be a, a better one now because you've been out and had a bit more experience." Um, I think that's that's something the industry has to embrace. Yeah, you know, I reckon that. Um, having, I was going to say, having said that, though, I was going to say, having said that, though, Lyndon, if you had a driver that had been with you for four or five years and said, "Hey, listen, I need a change," you know, and there was something in yep. in your in your business that you could do to make that happen, you'd make it happen, wouldn't you? Oh, 100 percent. We've had that from time to time where they've wanted to either go locally for some some home life commitments. Mm. Or they've wanted to go four days, and um, and so we've got like some drivers that have been with us, um, particularly like a regional guy that's been with us for many many years, and wanted yeah. to go four days, and so we just made that work. Um, yeah. So, but what I and sometimes even the drivers don't realise that they're up to two years and want a break, and they yeah. get just just disgruntled with the place. But yeah. after seeing it ever since I was a little kid, you see the drivers go and come and go and come again. You know, like it's. It's like I've seen it for like for forty years. And yeah. you're like turnover, turnover in a short term sense is a bad thing. Like something you should be able to try and get some kind of like consistency out of it. But turnover when they're looking at the two and a half years for some some aspect of you know some cohort of your business, I don't think it's as bad as what people think. I don't really what they they plug turnover just just be, simply being disgruntled employees they don't mm. realize that being the the nature of the business and the ability for truck drivers to be quite transient and move from job to job quite easily that turnover in truck drivers is is something that's common and so the what we can do is just make it easier for them to easy them to leave comfortably and with a good reference and know that, you know, we'll welcome them back when they want to come back and have a, have yeah. another go at it. Mm. Yeah, well, that was that was the case when I went over the West because I wanted to go with the COVID thing. And and um, they, uh, I said to JJ, we want to go and visit our young fella over in Perth. And he said, well, don't burn your shirts, mate. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I'm, that was mind that. You, I must. I must qualify everything I'm saying with, I am sure there's some of our truck drivers out there that have either worked with us in the past and they're like, geez, Lyndon, you're full of shit. You've always been fucking full of shit. Oh, sorry to swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, get, you get one. You, you get, get one. one. You get yeah. one, you're right. 
Yeah. So, Lyndon, you're full of shit, right? Eh? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. but, but we've all had those bad experiences where it's there's a clash between the 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 owner and the driver and or the person and the employee. We we all have personality clashes, and sometimes that yeah. does not always work well. But, a, and it's the one that always message. floats to the top, isn't it? Well, just had a text message. Uh, top three reasons why drivers leave: they get sick of being lied to. They get substandard gear, or they go for better money. Mm. I think it, that's probably partly true, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that concept. While, and this is this will put me this will this won't be completely agreed upon by many drivers. The concept mm. of being sick of getting lied to, having mm. done operations and being the driver, mm. and I've done local work and stuff like that. Mm. It's not always a lie. But how the driver perceives it, it comes mm-hmm. across as dishonest or it comes across yeah. as wrong. And they can sit there and go, That ops guy should have known this. Why yeah. hasn't he why hasn't that ops guy person why haven't they told me either the full story or what was correct? And what they sometimes miss is that things change in the background. But I yeah. think that I think that it's easy it is true that like our our operations team are awesome. And um, but at times we all acknowledge that we can do a better job with communicating to drivers, and that's just mm-hmm. a, it's just a given. We all know that's true, and we'd be yeah. lying to ourselves if we weren't telling ourselves that yeah, we could do a better job work communicating with drivers. And I think yeah. that, and um, the more that the more that a driver sees it happening, the more mm-hmm. they will see it, and then it'll grow to the point where they say, "I'm leaving because I'm always getting lied to," and I, yeah. I appreciate that. Mm. I've, been, I've been stitched up more than once. <laughs> some, 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 uh, some allocators are very, very good at it. Just do me a favour here, will you, mate? Just go down here and load this, and I'll, you know, and I'll look after you tomorrow. And tomorrow doesn't come, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I always like to refer to it as just a change because you know sometimes you're just you know what you get is just the result of 30 different changes and it's difficult. Mm. And I know I've, I've been out there, I've been in operations, I've been the owner, I've been owner driver. A lot of it's difficult and operations is probably one of the hardest of them all. Oh, you, know? you couldn't pay me enough. So you could when, not when, pay you, me enough. when you get your instructions, you know, oh, you've got to go and do this now and you think that's all too hard because it's all changed and all blah, blah, blah. I can, I can tell you that operations bloke's gone through hell um, mm. just to get to that point to tell you now what you've got to do. It's mm, it's yeah. not a, it's not easy some days, but anyway, we all got a job to do, and yep. I appreciate everyone in the chain. We we do the best we can. Um, so we're talking about driver turnover, though. I mean, it costs you money to turn drivers over, doesn't it, Finan? I mean, it's, yeah, not, it's I, not something that happens for free. I'm certain that uh, there's um, what's that? There's some kind of saying about. It's five times easier to keep your customer than it is to get a new one, something along those yeah. lines. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure the I'm sure the same rule probably works for having employees. And whether mm. it's a truck driver or a, a, an office person, like an admin person or a forklift driver, like it, it's just if the people are there and they're competent, it's they're worth burning the hands worth two in the bush, hundred percent. If they're competent mm. doing their role, it's a lot easier than having to bring someone new in. And even if they're competent, to train up on your processes and your customers and such. And I think that's why when drivers come back, 
we're we're often we're often willing to let a lot of water go under the bridge. Mm, Sorry, yeah. my dog's coming down. We're often willing to let a lot of water go under the bridge just simply because we know that person. They know their freight. They know our customers. They know where they're going to, and they know what we expect. And we're going. You know, we might have had an argument in the past, but we'll accept that. Mm, and yeah, well, there's no you're a known quantity, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, we might go to a song. Linda, are you right to hang on for a bit, or do you want to go? I just. Can I just read another? I just got another text. Can I read this one out? Sure. I hope everyone is listening to Lyndon. He's the real deal. You can't help but admire someone like this fella. His father must look down and smile. Uh, open that up uh, at his boy's achievements. Jeez, I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to pay that employee a bit extra next right, week. I was going to say that. Must no, I, 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 I actually know. I actually know who sent me that text, and he doesn't work for you, Lyndon. I'm sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, that's very kind. That's extremely kind. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, so, so you're right to hang on there for a minute, Lyndon, because I'd like to talk a bit more about the, your training processes there. But I want to go to a song and yeah, not a problem. Come back. We're, we're all good with that. We might go to um, a bit of crowded house here, eh, guys? And um, Why not? we'll be right back. Mom.
Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Bit of crowded house there. Mean to me. You'd know all about that, wouldn't you, Michael? Absolutely. You're always mean to me. I'm mean to you all the time, yep. mate. You ring that's me right. up in the morning, whinge, whinge, that's right. whinge. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. That's what I do. That's mm-hmm. how I roll. Anyway, as I always say to you, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. So That's right. You don't care, do you, buddy? Don't give a... Yep. Blind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Mike, you've been having a discussion off air while I've attended to other business. And- We've been just having a bit of a chat about the uh, NTC's current uh, consultative regulation impact statement that's closing on the 24th of November. And I was asking Lyndon if he wanted to make a comment about the uh, particular 4.3 metre aspect that we were talking before. Mm. Lyndon told me that he's uh, contributing to the thing through Nat Road. So, um, oh, yes. Lyndon, yeah, Lyndon uh, I've been very interested. We had Aaron De Rosario on last week talking about the uh, the um, the C-Riz. And, of course, uh, I believe Aaron's been going around shopping the deal to everyone. There are a few things that we're discussing with regards to access and fatigue yep. management and things like that. Where are you on all this stuff, mate? You said that you're working with that road. Yeah. Um, no, what's been, the story there? No, I've been um, very fortunate to be able to um, participate in um, offering industry uh, perspectives on a number of the matters and um, topics that the um, the NTC have put forward through the whole HVNL review. So it sounds mm. like a bit of a police spiel there. Um, and uh, and so, but honestly, like he's Aaron's done it. They're doing it all. They're doing a very good job at trying to put forward something that there's a lot of different stakeholders and trying to get together something that's going to be agreed with by the people that have to agree to it. So mm. one, so this is the me doing the spiel going, look, industry, as industry, we would love a lot of stuff. Yeah. And as they say is, look, they can only, we can only, we can only get what the government of the world is happy to give us. Mm. And so I think that's a part of it. And while a bit like when I was saying about um, the twenty, you know, the twenty-six or the twenty-seven meter truck, as just why just deal with a, a semi, like that's a little bit of like what is possible. But I, I really, I, that one there, I, I want to keep pushing, even if I don't get it, at least mm. keep pushing it to say. But I think this is the right, the the correct, the correct option. Mm. But you know, it might not happen. But just at least being on record saying that's what I think is the correct option, and mm. then. I think with the the 4.6 meter, the idea of moving the the height of the vehicles just generally from 4.3 meters to 4.6 meters, I think that's like a, what is it a foot? So 30 mm. centimeters. So it's about eight percent, nine percent. So increasing the height of the vehicle, like the load space, by eight or nine percent. And so if you got like um just uniformly loaded vehicles that um, it increases the center of gravity of the vehicle by a considerable amount. Mm. And so you're putting like quite a, you're changing the the dynamic stability of the vehicles by a a material amount Mm. as you can. And so where I, where I say is the fear of lengthening a 26 meter vehicle to a 27 meter vehicle dynamically, it's going to behave very similar Hmm. The only risk to the world is this stacking distance problem where it's a touch longer. 
Mm. And it's got a sweat path, which is just a touch worse off. Yeah, well, but they, I mean, really, but they is it is it going to make that much more difference? So, for example, you raised your no. fridge vans for a foot. I mean, you're not going to cart swinging meat in something that's a foot taller. Christ, that'd make it terrible. True, but what, and, what the problem with the law is, is that it allows it. So that's yep. the problem: is that it's it's increasing the the the, the big the big capacity the big cube guys the light mm. cubic cubic capacity guys they're already using four point six because they're running mm. lighter weights. So they're really yep. only doing this change for people that aren't running lightweight that are running on their weights, and they're saying yeah, but, but you now you can put that freight in a bigger volume. And mm. what I'm saying is, look, there, there might be people out there that find value for that. But mm. but I, I feel that there's probably more productivity gains that can be done for safer options if only they let us have whether it's a little bit more length whether it's for the trailers or the trucks mm. and you know the the whether it's for our safety and a better truck and more you know for for the driver comfort and such or if it is just purely for productivity for trailers but I think there's better. There's more value and utility that'll be gained by different options rather than going 4.3 to 4.6. Because well, you're not you're not going to get any more freight. I mean, you've got you've got your double stackers there now. I mean, you put pallets of yogurt or whatever it is in your in your trailers now and double stackers. You're not going to get any more bloody yogurt in the trailer yeah. if you have a. It's not going to make any difference to you at all, is it? Yeah, I so, I can I I have to when um when in those rooms I really have to give the consideration to industry in general rather than just myself. And I know that yep. there would be many people out there wanting to get like a doubled up two point two um, two one point three meter pallets into the thing rather than just two one point two meter pallets. And yep. I know that there's there's probably some general carriers that or um some um some other people that are moving equipment that just want to be able to move that bigger bit of equipment easy. And mm. so I've got to so I appreciate there's those aspects, but I mm. feel that just doing it under an ADR concept rather than a PBS concept means mm. that they, they're just ignoring the dynamic stability problems of the vehicle mm. that the PBS doesn't ignore. And so, um, yeah, that's my, that's my little take on it. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that they could do better, do, do other things that will have more bang for your buck. Mm. Yeah. Well, we, we did learn, uh, when we had the uh, COVID period on with the, the wanting to run the bigger vehicles and there was the video remember there was the video of those larger combinations running around roundabouts and things and uh, they discovered much to their surprise that if you had a driver with an appropriate skill level they could take very big big trucks around roundabouts yeah and, uh, and that, they were very amazed by that we um that one was down in portland i think where we ran they uh they had some super equipment down there but we mm. ran our a double down there for the for the demonstration and mm. um yeah, it's quite amazing that we're all just running around the same little roundabout right up to these huge direct express, I think it was, with mm. this um, massive 53-metre job or something along those kind of lines. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, well, I mean, we could have the conversations about, oh, it's all very well to have all these bigger combinations. As long as the drivers are being remunerated appropriately, I don't have a problem with any of that. Um, True. You know, the, the problem with it is, I think, Sometimes some of these companies do take the piss a little bit with what they expect their drivers to do. I don't think there can be any argument about that either, can there, Lyndon? Yeah, we we uh, I can't. It's I I would say that I don't have the um, authority, not the authority, but the permission to talk about our 
personal remuneration with our drivers oh, on the radio. Not asking, but, not asking you that no, question, that. man, I'm not. But, but what I can say is, because the EA is on the internet and all those kind of things, I can say that our A-double drivers get a different pay to our B-double drivers, where yeah. technically I think they are in the same grade, I can't recall, but we just we differentiate between them because we get more utility out of the A-doubles. And honestly, it is more work. Like I've done it because we, we had some, we were running between Melbourne and Sydney. The times were taking longer than what we anticipated. So I went and did yep. it myself just to see like what what was the issues. And it, it does take longer. It's, it's Good Lord, you actually got, in, you got behind the wheel of a truck yourself. Oh yeah, God forbid. The operations team hate me doing it. Like I'm like the yeah. last line of defense. But uh, yeah. it's now, um, now I'm rarely allowed out there. I've got to use some bullshit excuse that I'm going out for a fuel <laughs> test or something like that for them to let me do it. But yeah. uh, but every now and then it just all goes up the creek, and um, they need me to move one for them. But yeah, uh, yeah very rare these days. But uh, I mean, it's nice to see that there is someone that is in your position that has actually uh, get out and get their bloody hands dirty occasionally. It's one of the reasons. One of the reasons why I like you, buddy. I'm not going to pee in your pocket and say anything like that. It's one of the reasons why I like you because you, you can't actually fly one. Um, the the, uh, the times are a changing, though. We do have to accept that all these PBSA doubles and uh, things are happening. We do have issues with the infrastructure that supports the vehicles, though. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um, how do you feel that that affects your drivers that are operating these vehicles? It's a little bit harder to find a place to sleep, a little bit harder to find a place to get a feed in the shower. Um, um, in the no, I appreciate that. In the in the routes that we operate them, mm. I think that uh, um, I think the routes that we operate them, given that we're running out of it, our distribution centre, like our own place, into our own place, makes it a mm. touch easier. Mm. Um, I think that uh, so up up the Newell, it's a bit more common, and there's places where they can pull up and such. Mm. Who knows what in ten years' time, if we're all running them, what the what that situation will be. But I think that I think that um, it's a little bit more frustrating. But as long as you know you you mapped out where you want to go, you know what servos you can go into to get a feed that has that extra bit of space. It's, I found I found that they're not that much more. Like you can still deal with them a little bit like just a that that move from a semi to a b double sometimes people can have that same feeling like you got to really have a think about where you're going into and how you got to get out and yeah. um it's just it's just that to another level but once they're actually been doing it for a little while it becomes quite convenient in, in a, a lot more convenient for them but i think a large aspect of it is how do you being able to deal with it at both ends whether it's couple it or or break it apart trying to help them in that manner and we've we've had our tug tugs geared up to try and improve that process but um i think that's one of the one of the other parts where if you're running to perth or out west or even melbourne melbourne brisbane there's not so much of the breaking down that's inconvenient but when we're doing it melbourne sydney like every day we're pulling it apart and putting it back together again those they needed a bit more support even when we're using between melbourne and wodonga that i recognized that it was a it was a fair task that the guys were doing. So. Yeah. I think if you're on that, like, Melbourne-Sydney leg, that, that really is a depot-to-depot job yep. for an A-double driver. You drag them in there, you, you pull the pin on the dolly, 
and and the you know the, the depot has the facilities to take care of everything else and you might go and deliver that lead trailer uh, come back to the yard and hook onto something else and away you go back to to Melbourne if Going to Brisbane's a bit of a different scenario, but you still need to be pulling into a depot. But at the moment, it's a bit hard because you you're stuck at Gatton. Yeah. Um, but I believe the efficiencies in in the A double scenario, or even even throw another one in there, it, as long as it's taken into a depot and split up in the depot where it's away from the public, as in you're not doing it in a street somewhere. Yeah. Um, and all that can be handled and, and the company's happy to employ people in the yard to do it, have the tugs to do it and, you know, the local trucks to deliver those trailers and not expect that interstate driver to be delivering two or three trailers. Mm. That, to me, is acceptable. It's efficiency and that driver can then have his rest and then, you know, you've got a few hooked up in the yard and away you go again. That, that to me, is, is a great concept and that's how efficiencies are gained um, where we fail in that area is you expect that one driver to go to Gatton and, and then um, break down three the trailers in. take it in um, dog run it all blah 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 and then you're still trying to get him to return to Melbourne a day and a half later that, yeah. that's a problem and I don't, I think in the, or what I've found is like in the in the world we live in these days with telematics and it's all getting all the vehicles are getting monitored and mm. they know where the vehicles are and what they've done i reckon i'd like to say that it's becoming less and less in the industry where you hear about those horror stories where you know people are doing all that local work as well as the as well as the line haul work mm. we are we're fortunate in our business that we've got those local networks in melbourne sydney brisbane where we we monitor that type of thing and make sure it doesn't happen, and even to 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 a a, a good extent, even subcontractors. I know that specific instances where subcontractors running into a town with our freight, if um if a slot time gets changed or blown out, or if they're stuck there for too long, we'll we'll have them come back to the yard and strip out the load and re-deliver it later. Mm. And so, mm. but. But that said, on the flip side, and just to be honest, as there's people out there listening and everything, we don't pay, we we pay our subcontractors what we feel is a fair rate. But I know that they could probably get a better rate somewhere else out there. But at least if they're doing our freight, they know that that we're not going to screw them over. If they if they have trouble, they can drop it into our cold store instead of um, yeah. if they can't deliver it legally. And so that's like the flip side. And I have heard. I have heard at least one one of our subcontractors a while ago knowing that you can put more of the junior junior guys in our work knowing that they've got that support compared to maybe other work that they don't necessarily have that support. They might get paid better, mm. but it's it's more just left on them. And so, yeah, it's but I don't, I think that's getting less and less in the industry. I think that just just it's so easy for compliance to make sure people are doing the right thing that we're all. Mm. Attempt, at least attempting to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, I, the game I, has changed a lot. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I think on a whole, most people are trying to do the right thing. What, what we do have to understand about compliance and monitoring and that, we, or everybody is now. Like, so it doesn't matter if you think your truck's not tracked, if you've got a phone in there, chances are you, you can do <laughs> anyway. And it's everything like that runs really well until 
there's an incident. Mm, um, and yes. that's where people have to be aware that just because you run the gauntlet and you think it's all good, um, if, if something happens, that's when there's a problem. Um, mm. So, because you are tracked, everything's tracked, and there's cameras mm. everywhere, whether it's a, a safety cam or a camera at the front of um, a, a business in a, in a local community. When it all goes to shit, um, and, <laughs> sometimes it does. And and the, and what you have to understand, or what people have to understand, is when there's a death, yep. the the ability then for the investigation is a thousandfold on what investigators will go and have a look at, and that could be the camera sitting out the front of the florist shop somewhere, or a security camera in a truck stop or anything. So yep. just because you think you're getting away with it, and you may do, and, and a lot of people do do that for 10 years. Yeah. Um, yep. But if something goes wrong, you know, people have to understand that there's levels of investigation that none of us can even comprehend. Oh, they, and, yes. <laughs> the information that can be found is amazing. Mm. No, I appreciate that. And sometimes, like, we've we've had... We've had our our share of like horrific accidents where it's just a, a very sad and unfortunate outcome. And the case is that sometimes it's just it's no one's it's it's no it's not the driver's fault that an incident might have happened, but it can be a horrible outcome of the of the situation, and it still gets investigated. You can be the most brilliant company out there in the world, but you still have to answer for you know what's happened and justify what's taken place, even even when like the driver mightn't have been at fault mm-hmm. and so that's where i appreciate where you're coming from that it's like we i know we could all do better at um just making sure things are documented correctly in those type of those type of matters but it still has to be done and so i appreciate that mm-hmm. i've just had another text message uh, question for lyndon uh, and it's basically do you or would you support legislating the rule no bunk no work diary um Legislating the rule, no, no bunk, no bunk, no work diary. So if you're doing local truck, local work in a yep. day cab, yes, or no, no work diary. Um, for I, example, or, or next question, there's a this is a two parter. Yep. So if if you're doing changeovers in a day cab, yeah, um, you should you have a should you have a bunk on a truck doing day, uh, changeovers. You know, I appreciate so, that, and yeah. I appreciate that, and I think that um, uh, we use predominantly we use day cabs on our changeovers, and yep, so I'll put do. that out there that that's that's what we predominantly use for weight reasons, mm-hmm. and and that we don't want the drive we we want to make sure that we offer to those drivers to get them back home each day. And it is a challenge that I do know that particularly before like all of that Melbourne, uh, Sydney to Brisbane, Brisbane route was fully got all the bypasses. I swear about four or five years ago, every other night there was a bloody, bloody incident on that road that was blocking Mm. everyone up. And so we've looked at different mechanisms to how do we go about this and we're, we're currently... We're currently got some new trucks and we're we're looking into do we go and go with uh, the uh, whatever those tiny little mini bunk ones are. I can't nice yeah. IB IT like. bunks. IT bunks. Yeah. We were we're considering whether whether, you know, the future everyone has to sometimes alter their plans and whether we drift towards that type of vehicle. 
But um, but that's where that's where I appreciate that many people do do um uh, suggest that if you're going to go line haul like away from a hundred k's from your site, you should have that bunk. But what I would say is, we have many vehicles that are running Melbourne Wodonga, and they're only ever a few hours away from a site, and mm. we're only only actually a few hours away from one of our one of our sites going out to save them. So if they're out of hours and need to get out and need to have a rest, we can send a local team out in a ute just to swap the drivers over. But mm. that's where I think that maybe no no bunk, no no logbook is um, it doesn't actually fully appreciate the wide variety of work in Australia. Yeah. But I understand where they're coming from. And that, that one there, it's probably going to be things like OH&F laws and such that start to put pressure on people that maybe push the rules. Hmm. And when they go, when then you say the OH&S people say, have you done everything that you ought to have reasonably practicably done to hmm. make sure that people, people have a way to rest or can manage their fatigue? Yeah. And so, you know, that's where those laws I think can be valuable. But, um, so anyway, that's a really long-winded way to say, well, we use day cabs in our shuttles. <laughs> and so, well, I know, I, that, that, I know that you do, but I mean, yep. the, the question the question is whether you do or you don't now is is one thing. Yep. Uh, whether you whether you go about, I mean, obviously they will reach the end of their operational life at some point. Yep. And you know, if you can buy a vehicle that may well have a a small sleeping space in it, like an IT bunk. Yep. Why would you not choose to do that and give the driver an opportunity to have somewhere where they can lay out and have a bit of a snooze if their changeover's held up, if they have a breakdown, if there's an accident and they get held up, they simply get tired and need to have a, a power nap. That, is, that, know, is you, something that, that is something that we've actually been reviewing in our next yeah. purchasing round. Mm. Right. So what are you? Are you uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't try and pin you down on this. I mean, hey, you run your business is your no, choice. I appreciate that. And, I wouldn't uh, mandate it uh, by law. I, I would yep. say my my answer to that question is no. I don't think it should be dealt with in law. Yeah. Because there's too much variation in what people do out there to think that it can be limited to 100 k's. Yep. And I appreciate that. I think that over time, this type of thing, whether it might be that some, I know some some businesses have halfway houses. Yeah, and so they've got a support network of um, rest rest stops, houses that they actually rent themselves. We mm. looked into that, but it was difficult to get the trucks to this. Like, where do you park the truck while the driver's resting there? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so so there were some challenges in that. So there's, I think there's a couple of different ways to sort it out. But I yeah. appreciate where the person's coming yeah. from. That I think that is something that's look, getting looked at in the near future. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to throw a comment in here about yeah. how we all talk about. We always react to what the market demands and things like that. That that would be a, a true comment. Um, as as a driver, or if I was just driving, and I was to apply for a job as a changeover mm. driver, if it didn't have at least a small integrated bunk for me to lie down in, my application would not go in. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and we and I, I'm just saying some, that as someone applying for a job. I appreciate that. And we've got some other some of our shuttle trucks do have bunks on them, and we've got some of some of the people that have done it from time to time that have used those bunked vehicles. But mm. predominantly, predominantly we do use um, a, a day cab. But like Mike said, that uh, that um, the, everything comes to an end of the year by a date sooner or later. 
and um, and we're just looking. We're looking, considering that different option for future purchases mm. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Not that, well, mate. We're not having a go at you at all. I mean, ob- no, you know, obviously, from an operational point of view, you do what you do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, when I drove for Watsons, I drove a Western Star Day Cab. Don't change over. Yeah. The way it was. So I mean, having said that, uh, I think I drove 150 before that. Have you still got 150? <laughs> One, nah, it's it. Uh, do we? Nah, we don't have that at the moment. But um, <laughs> we got. We do have a fair few of them from that era, though. But I'll tell you what. No, nah, that was a, a good thing. I mean, look, I. Uh, and I, full disclosure, I did work for, for Watsons for a little while and I, I did have a, a medical incident while I was driving one of the trucks and and uh, unfortunately we, we ended up um, going our separate ways. I've got no ill feelings towards Watsons though. Luckily uh, to the you point- were okay though. Sorry? Luckily you were okay though. Oh, he's not oh, okay. Have you, oh, not have okay. you ever seen him since? <laughs> <laughs> But we're not, the, we're not sure whether it's related to that incident, but, yeah, Jesus, yeah, no, he's not no, okay. <laughs> to the point, like, full disclosure, to the point where when I was coming back, um, there were some questions about COVID injections and things like that, and I rang Lyndon up and I said, mate, I might need a job. And Lyndon said, let me know if you do. So, yeah, 100%. You, you know, so, you know, full disclosure, I've got, uh, I've got very, uh, I, I won't say, I won't say, uh, uh, um, a man love sort of a thing going on, but at the, at the same, the same time, I, I mean, I see Lyndon L- L- Watson's trucks running up and down the road all the time, and you talk to the drivers and things, they seem as though they're relatively happy in their work environment. Um, obviously, there are some people that are going to have difficulties where they work. It doesn't matter where some blokes work. Some blokes would complain if they were. Uh, having a happy ending, shall we say? But yeah. you know, the, the the reality of it is, is that uh, there are worse places in the world. So I will say that to you, mate. No, cheers, mate. And I think that, like I was saying earlier about like the ops guys and the truck drivers and just the employees in general, they where and I think this goes for wherever people work. We do put a little bit of our own identity into the place that we work. And that goes for not just myself, it's being, oh, it's a family business. But it, all of our staff, like they, they, they take a little bit of their identity from the place that they work. And I think that they want the best out of, they want the best, the best perception of the business to be out there. And I think that's when we, we loop back around to the training and that type of thing is that, you know, we could do training better for, I'm sure there's many staff that, there's some staff that could, could be trained on one topic or another better or there's some star the staff that we do a really good job at but there's other businesses out there i think we all we're all there trying to train the staff because we want we want the business out there having a good name and to, mm. and to not end up not end up on some silly facebook page from some muck up or you know stuff up that we've done and mm. i think that it's just a matter of just trying to trying to accept that we are going to if we're going to have these people come into the industry, the brand new people with no experience under this environment where insurance companies expect the world and operations teams need very detailed and experienced people to do the job. We're going to have to bring in these, these junior people or these less skilled people and have a mechanism to, for them to enter. And I think that that's where bigger companies, like we're trying to do a little bit, we could do better, 
but where bigger companies should set aside this aspect of white radio, we're going to have a bunch of roles and we will actively seek out people with no experience, mm. whether mm. they're school leavers or people train, changing from one industry into the trucking industry or whether it's, um, you know, partners that have seen their partner they're, they're, they're be a truck driver and they're like, well, I'll give it a go. I'm 45 now. Maybe the mm. kids have moved out of home and my partner's driving, maybe I'll drive. It's not the mm. physical job that it used to be. And we need that um, ability to give them a, an access point. And, you know, I'm I'm preaching a little bit, and I know we could do better, but I think other people could do it as well. And I know there are other people out there doing a great job. Mm. Like I know those businesses, I don't have a right to say their name, but I know there's yeah. people that I actually took cues from. Oh, and well, um, there, are, there are people out there that like Simons, for example, who, yep. who, have, actually, who have actually said, you know, we, when asked a question about, you know, you train drivers, what do you feel when they leave? And their answer has always been that, uh, well, if we've put some experienced bloke that's well qualified out in the market and he's driving, he's sharing the road with our drivers. I'm happy about that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, David's uh, like one of the advocates for it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, you know, there should be more of it. Obviously, there is a there is a dollar value to it, but there's also a, a, a community value to it. I mean, I know... It, I've heard Heather Jones talk a million times about, you know, if everyone actually just trained one person, um, yeah. how much better off we would be. Uh, yeah. And she's been a very strong advocate of that. And, and, I mean, mate, you're doing it. You're walking the walk. Um, and I can only congratulate you on that. Uh, I think that what you're doing is <laughs> yeah. a wonderful thing. And I feel, I feel like I'm setting myself up for a fall. Um, <laughs> uh, you're not. You're, but you're not. And you're not. what I... The other part, if you see, I heard you, I was listening to you on the radio the other day about trying to say a good word out there to the drivers that might see someone doing something stupid, mm. is just to be mindful that maybe they are brand new to it and just don't know that, that what they're doing is a little bit silly. And yeah. if you approach them about it, is mm. to try and maybe first err on the side of maybe they just don't know. And yeah. if you're an experienced person, maybe think of it just approaching that situation from a perspective of, oh, do you want a hand? Maybe you could try it this other way. If they tell you to bugger off, it's like, oh, well, tell them to bugger off. Mm. But um, yeah. but I think that, that as an industry, and I think there's a lot of guys out there, that do, uh, people out there that do this anyway, but mm. I think that that's one way we can help support those new people into the industry is making them feel welcome out in the, out in the road, particularly, particularly when they're kind of maybe doing something stupid. So, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, but there is opportunity to to help one another. It's an industry that that's how we grew in the early days, where you know you started out and everybody helped you out. Like whether you're trying to roll a tarp or throw gates up or do something, how to strap down some produce, and you know people that taught you about where where you can load stuff on top of boxes of oranges and when you can't. I still remember as a, as, a, as a kid, I'm going with the container into the docks for the first time and I'm standing mm. in, the, uh, in this massive queue out in um, a Swan Dock or whatever it is, one of those ones, and this truck driver come up from behind me and he's like, mate, I might need to show you something. So we get out and he shows me about I want to do the twist locks out on the road before going into the site. And he goes, yeah. mate, if you don't do these, what, you've, what you'll find is they will pick your whole truck up and take it. And he showed me, you know, gave me a few pointers and that kind of stuff. Because he told, he could tell I was like a 19-year-old kid that looked like I was 14. 
But <laughs> that kind of thing it could have saved me a hell of a screw up. And mm. but it really, yeah. it's really helpful when people come around and help like that. Yeah, yeah. it is. Like I, I have a golden rule with, um, like in the bulk transport grain job. You know, if you've driven to a site and your tarps are rolled over, like where they should be, before you pull under an auger, you stop before it and and roll your tarps back. And and that's only because you, you may get to a point where you pull up and your tarps are covered and someone will try to start loading you and, you, mm. and your tarps are over. It's a simple Ooh. thing. Like, don't mm. ever pull under an auger... With a tarp over, you always stop and roll them back and never travel with your tarps open. It's It's got a wind drag, terrible. So, But it's simple things like that where you learn in the industry from your peers that that's the right or wrong thing to do. Mm. So, you know, we, we are all out here to help one another as well. So remember that when you're sitting in there taking a video of someone doing something that's a bit stupid, instead of videoing it, get out and go and talk to him. Well, I know I wasn't born with a road range of gear knob in the palm of the left hand and uh, I had to learn a little bit about that. So, mm. you know, didn't know everything that I know today. Geez, I wish I did, though, when I was a young bloke. I'd have been a super trucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very wealthy too, probably. Probably very wealthy too. Yeah, no, mm. quite interesting. I'll tell you what, though. It's been very, very interesting talking with you, Linda. Now, I've, uh, as usual, you've got a lot to say, uh, particularly about the corporate governance and everything like that. And I, and I do respect what you've done. So, uh, no, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. And by the way, and any, and I am more than happy to receive uh, critique. If you have mm-hmm. any listeners that want to either text in or message in, whether whether it's questions or um or you know have a bit, I don't mind. And um, and so don't feel afraid. And uh, even if you do have any, if you get any questions, you know where to reach me. I give you. I'm more than happy to to answer anyone. And you're you're more than welcome to share my details with people if they want to reach out on um, any of the topics. No worries. And of course, um, have you got any places open at the moment in your training program, or what, what's the story with that? How's that going? No, I appreciate that. I think I know that there is at least one. Right. I know one of the yep. I know one of the vehicles is currently getting used in Sydney, and um, on for a, a job that isn't this. And mm. um, so my my guys are going to hate me saying this. Um, mm. So so what I know is there is at least one position available. And so yep. if there's a listener out there that was wishing to get into the line haul line haul industry and has no line haul experience or truck experience, that um, that uh, you're more than welcome to reach out. And um, because yeah, I just I just know one of the vehicles aren't getting used for this task at the minute. And, and, and where would and that would, be? Where where would that be based? Uh, I think ideally it would be based in Sydney. Yep. And so, but um, but I think that uh, they, they're gonna have me saying this. I'd make an exception if <laughs> even if they're from Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. But I know ideally they would say Sydney. Sydney, ideally Sydney. So there's someone looking for a start. Learn how to operate a fridge van out of Sydney. Give Watsons a yeah. give Watsons a go. Tell them, tell them that uh, we sent you. Use the uh, the promotional code LW. <laughs> <laughs> LW sent me. <laughs> Just ring him up and said the boss told me to ring up and I'm the man for the job or the girl for the job. 
You've got a pretty inclusive. You've got a pretty inclusive policy as well, don't you? I mean, oh, yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent. We don't care what race, creed, colour, or gender, whatever the all that kind of business. Yeah. Uh, not a problem at all. If you can do the job, you got a job, eh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. We've and if we to talk, so even just for two more minutes. Um, what I think yeah. is a big demographic that is starting to become open to being a line haul truck driver. Like we've been yeah. fortunate enough to get some younger younger girls into the um, into the business, and um, but I think that one of the other demographics that I wasn't aware of is that um, an older female demographic, maybe you know, past forty five or fifty, they, they might have had the kids a bit earlier, and the kids have gone off to school now. Might have had a partner that used to be a truck driver. And they've actually gone out and got their license and, and trying their hand at it. And we're fortunate. The trucks are just so much easier to drive. Mm. Nothing is the, the pretty much the, the most physical thing a person does is pulling the pin when coupling. And between having a, an extension handle, pretty much most people with some minor amount of grip strength can get that done. And yep. what we find is that, and what I think is that if we can convince as an industry if we can get, reach that cohort of like older female people that could come into that and be, become a truck driver, a light haul truck driver, I think we would go a long way to meeting a lot of the a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, lack of drivers we've got in the industry. If we could reach that cohort of people and explain to them and, and sell it to them that it's a it's a possibility to get out there and become independent. Yeah. And so that's that's one uh, a positive thing I've seen in the industry recently. And um, yeah, and then and because we've just on the flip side, we've seen a, an aspect of the middle-aged men starting mm. to do want to want to be home more because yeah. they're committing to their family more these days, and mm. it's just you know society's changed that way, and so we're just having to just to manage those changes in um in like um uh, parental roles. But anyway, that's a I'll get off the soapbox. Hmm. No, 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 mate, it's, no, that's it's, a, good it's call. a reality. That's a good, good call. call. I'd, I'd actually encourage any company that can promote some assistance in um, in people being able to spend more time at home um, yeah. or, or quality time. We're currently trying to put through an AFM policy that enables, you know, to work for your 10 days straight and then have four days at home. Yeah. Um, which I believe is a, is a great beneficiary to to the industry. A uh, little hard to get through the HVR, but we're working on that. So yeah, um, yeah good luck. I'm not yeah. going to say this. I'm not going to say this out loud because I just it's just between us three, right? Because no one else is listening. <laughs> but I can tell you that the girls out there do a pretty good job, and I know actually Rose can position a truck on the road. Um, better than I can for a longer period of time than I can. Uh, and and she probably, like I drive it like I stole it, and Rose actually gives a little bit of love. So, yep. but that's just between us three, all right? Let's not just yeah. let's just <laughs> not share that about at all, all right? So just but, uh, just before we go, I just got a text message here about the, the Brisbane Convoy for Kids. Oh, okay, so right. Raising, raising money to get the lead truck. Right. The lead truck has just raised $52,500. Wow. Wow. That's Jeez. incredible, isn't it? Mm. It's, yep. So anyway, I would have liked to have been there, but anyway. Um, 
So yeah, anyway, thanks, Linda, for coming on tonight. It's um, yeah, giving Not us your perspective and what you're doing. And I will take my hat off to anyone who is helping to train people in the industry. It's so important. Um, whatever you can do to help us as well to inspire people to be a part of the industry, uh, which we can talk about on another level one day. Yep. Um, Cheers, mate. You know, it's it's great to see. So, you know, it's it's something that the industry needs to promote. We can't always rely on government to throw us money and do stuff. We need to yep. help fund some of these programs, what do we say, internally uh, yep. to make it happen. So, yep, I appreciate that. Yeah. But th- thank you for your commitment to to trying to train people into the industry. It's um, as I take Matt off to it. It's a great thing. That's all right. Thank you very much. I think there's just, people out there doing better than us, but I really appreciate the compliment. Mm. Right, well, just hang on there for a minute, Linda. Don't go away. We just wrap the show up, and we shall. Uh, thanks uh, to Queensland Rail once again for supporting the show and and sponsoring us. Thanks for what they do. Know your truck and height, and oh. size does matter. Michael, it does apparently. There's a lot of a lot of us are very concerned about the size, but size does matter. Apparently, it so, does. So we've got some size does matter hats. We've got some size matters hats. We're going to work out how to give away a few of those. Mm. And just to give our uh, our merch a plug, uh, oh. we've got hats. We've got hats. The we've hats got bags. In. We've got shirts. We've got stubby holders and the. Mm. And the uh, revamped Truck and Life store is going to go live this weekend, isn't it, mate? I hope so. We've uh, Colette's off in the van. Is she? Friday morning, going to do a, a pickup run. Um, we've still got a few images to get back on the store. We do, we, do. Have, we do have hats here. And I think, time permitting, Friday night, we'll probably um, open the store up so mm. that... Um, if you're on there, you've got the opportunity to buy everything that's there, not just a few mm. selected items. So there's kids t-shirts. There's going to be bucket hats. There's going to be oh, uh, stubby holders, stickers, all shirts, hats, all bags. sorts of things. So well, we finally managed to get it all under control. Mm. Um, uh, finally, and of course, we'll be down at the convoy for kids in Goulburn, eleventh, uh, and 11th and. and and uh, Rose and I are going to be up at the uh, Ballinger Memorial Truck Show at Bathurst a week after that and hopefully putting in an appearance down at the I-98 as well. Mm. So a lot of stuff coming up, um, obviously, obviously uh, a bit of merch and, and things like that. Say good day. Yogi is going to be joining us at uh, Goulburn. Yep. And uh, it's going to be one of those things that's just going to go off its trolley, I think, we're going to be broadcasting live. We're going to do the Saturday Night Live show from Goulburn. And, uh, and we'll have a few snippets from the convoy itself. We will. Yeah. So Maybe we can get Andy Dival and a few of the other guys on the radio for a bit on Saturday night. Maybe. But we must sign off. So, Mike, remember this. If you can't be good. Be spectacular. Righto. Thanks, <laughs> listeners. Thanks, Lyndon. Thanks for being with us, mate. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Hello, I'm Terry Daniel. Firefighters managed to get the upper hand on a blaze in Sydney's west, which had a primary school under threat. Trucks and a chopper were called in to protect properties at Orchard Hill.